77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. I'm going to run to you, Sweet Lou, the great Brian Adams, 908. This is uh, hour number four of five hours. We're doing five hours all week long. You get five hours of me and an extra hour of Curtis. And we had four great hours today, right, guys? Kara Castronova, Curtis Sliwa, an amazing appearance by Christopher Mad Dog Russo. And Woody Giuliani, we've got a great guest coming up this hour. He's usually on Thursdays. But he's going to stop by today. It's a big deal. The ratings segment of the week. Nobody gets bigger ratings. Any segment, any show, all week long than O'Reilly and Rosenberg. And O'Reilly is coming back in a couple of moments. So he'll be on now and Thursday. And then, coming up in the 10 o'clock hour, big story in New York. Somehow, subway crime is up, but arrests are up. That never has ever happened. Well, maybe never, but usually when there are more arrests, there's less crime. How is it possible that both numbers are going up? We're going to tell you how. We're going to talk to the man in charge of the subways, my good buddy Michael Kemper, who is the transit chief of the NYPD. He's coming up in that bonus hour, coming up at 1015. So we got a lot more to do before we hand it off to Curtis, who's coming up at uh, at 11. They'll get Curtis from 11 to 1, and then uh, then Greg Kelly. So I did play the, uh, the Nikki Haley cuts earlier. I played the Donald Trump cuts earlier. I played for you the Kevin O'Leary cut earlier. This is my favorite cut of the day. And, of course, a lot of Sid Rosenberg, Mark Levin. I was a guest on Levin's show last night, and we had a great time. We've gotten... Very, very close, Levin and I. But this is uh, my favorite cut of the day. Then I want to get to Bill O'Reilly. This is Kevin O'Leary. He's on that show, Shark Tank, you know. And he was talking about that ridiculous civil fraud decision where Donald Trump has to pay back in the next 30 days, mind you. Pay up, I should say, not pay back, but pay $355 million. So O'Leary starts talking about what this means for New York State. And what he says is pretty damning. Lewis, Kevin O'Leary, cut number four. This is about the competition of states. I thought before this judgment that the number one loser state in America was California, which is basically putting itself out of business slowly and surely. But after this judgment, I'm going to make New York the number one loser state, followed by California, then Massachusetts, New Jersey, Michigan. These are places where taxes are not competitive. Delaware, for example, is now on the loser state list because it's unstable policy on the Elon Musk decision. You don't have to put your money 
into places where this kind of thing happens. Each of us as investors, we vote with our capital. Why punish a great state because it doesn't happen to be on the east or west coast? I say go to Florida, go to Texas, go to North Dakota, Oklahoma, West Virginia. These are winner states. Why go to a loser state like New York? Why go to a loser state like New York? My next guest lives in New York, as I do. (laughs) He's anything but a loser. He's the greatest of all time. And I mean that. It's my dear friend Bill O'Reilly. Check him out, folks. 9 p.m. weeknights on WABC and his amazing website, the best place for news anywhere, BillOReilly.com. Bill Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank says that the biggest loser state in the country is New York. Is that harsh as a resident of this state, or is he onto something? I think California's worse. Um, Illinois may be worse. But right now, New Yorkers are being punished by their government, by their state, and New York City government is punishing uh, New Yorkers. And Trump is an excellent example of that. Um, So after that verdict came in, I did what I always do, some reporting, and I went into the people who hate Trump the most that I know. And these are educated people, business people, some of them. They hate him. And you should get uh, Scaramucci on, see what he thinks. <laughs> he hates um, him, yeah. I, I didn't get with him. He yeah. lives near me. Um, but all of them, I said, um, are you, is this okay with you? They're all high-fiving each other because they don't like Trump. But none of them justified the verdict because you can't justify it what this was were people using their political power all right the attorney general and the judge to punish a political person they don't like so how can you back that up well the case was based upon a prosecution civil that has never been used before in the history of the state. And I'm saying to myself, okay, so this is unique. Um, we all know, you know that the banks had no problem. Nobody filed against them. There were no victims or anything like that. They made money. The banks made a fortune yeah, of interest. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Everybody, the testimony was legion. Okay? But... The judge didn't care. The judge is sitting there going, I am going to punish this man because I despise him. Right. That's not justice. No. Okay. So, And by the way, not just the judge, but sitting in that courtroom was the equally as repulsive Attorney General Letitia James. Who drove this. You know, who drove the whole thing, and uh, along with Alvin Bragg. Um, so anybody looking from the outside in, has to say to themselves, well, you have a state where the powerful people are using their office to punish individuals. Do you want to go to that state? So the answer is no. Well, it's funny you say that. And I'm not going to say this person's last name because I know them too long. But her name is Beth. And I've known her for a very, very long time. 
And she was one of the people that when this verdict came down, and she's no dummy, she's in the law field. She was good with it. She said, she and hates I, Trump. She hates Trump, and she right. said, even even if this case, even if this case doesn't make sense, what she says, and a healthy percentage of others who would still vote against Donald Trump say is, he had it coming. He somehow or another, Carmen's yeah, a her bitch. Call. I know. That's not, look, you can say anybody has it coming. Okay, you can do that. But that's not the system. The system is there to provide justice. Does anybody think this was justice? But it is the system, because if it wasn't the system, it wouldn't have happened. It's a system in New York. Uh-huh. It's not the system in most of the rest of the country. So that's what O'Leary was saying. If you've got a state that's punishing the people who live there, and believe me, if you don't know... It took me two hours to go from my house to MetLife Stadium to see the Islanders and Rangers on Sunday. You went out there and froze your ass off on Sunday? Well, I was in a box. (laughs) Okay. Full disclosure. I'm a big hockey guy. I played hockey at Chaminade High School. Yeah, you're a big Islander fan. Um, It took me two hours on a Sunday to go 19 miles. Outside of Cairo, Egypt, I don't think there's a place <laughs> on earth that will take you two hours to go 19 miles. Right. Okay? Yeah. So every time that New Yorkers turn around, there's something hurting them. Taxes, crime, corruption, pollution, traffic that doesn't move, infrastructure that's collapsing. And that's what I wrote about today. I basically said, look, you can't keep doing this and expect people not to flee. They're going to flee. And that's what's happening. So you're going to get migrants and people who are looking for a welfare lifestyle to come to New York. Because the migrants are now getting paid by Mayor Adams. Right. Well, where did Mayor Adams get that money? He got it from people breaking their backs to work and keep their family solvent. He's taking the money that we have given him with the onerous taxation in New York, and he's giving it to people who are in the country illegally. I mean, critical mass has been reached in New York State. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. So here's the question. We know all the problems. You just detailed a bunch of them. A bunch of them. Maybe all of them. But I get asked this all the time when I when I do guesting on other shows, like Levin last night. We know the problems, Bill O'Reilly. The question is, how do you fix it? Now, I'm always quick to say elections matter. Stop voting in Democrats. I'm not even sure it's that easy, but it's a decent answer, given there's really nothing else I can think of at the moment that fixes it. Let me ask you. You're smarter than me. We know the problems. How do we fix it? I don't know if it's fixable. 
then why are you still here? Why is John and Margot still here? Why is Corey Zelnick still here? Millionaires, billionaires, why are all you guys still here if, in fact, these problems can't be fixed? Logistics, family. That's why I'm here. I mean, Hannity just left. He, You know, I know him. And he lives 10 miles from me on the north shore of Long Island. So he just went down to Florida. He just packed it. He didn't even sell his house. He just closed it up and said, I'm leaving. All right. I don't want to do that. Um, but I don't know whether this system is fixable because there are so many. There are two classes of people now in New York who are working against the greater good. And this is important for everybody to understand this. The first crew doesn't give a fig about politics, government. They don't care. They live in their own little world that they've designed. Some of them are substance people. Some of them are computer people. Some of them pursue whatever they pursue on their little phones. You talk to them in the street, they have no idea who the governor is. They don't care. That crew is growing as the public school systems collapse. They don't care, don't want to hear about it, live in a fantasy world. The second crew is what I just mentioned. These are people who say, I'm not going to break my back like O'Reilly and Rosenberg every day to make a living. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to get educated. I'm going to just put my hand out, and the Democrats are going to put money and food stamps and everything else in my hand. That's how I'm going to live. You combine those two, and it overwhelms the others. And that's what we have in New York. That's what they have in California. You know, you said one word during that excellent answer. And it goes back to my answer all the time when I say that's why elections matter. You said Democrats. That's really the only political word you used when you said Democrats put all these things in your hand when you don't work for them. So maybe, just maybe, my answer almost every time of elections matter, vote Republican, maybe that is part of the answer. Well, there are two problems with that. So the Democratic Party is the party of entitlements and has been since Franklin Roosevelt was elected to beat down the Great Depression. Our parents lived through that. All right. Ever since FDR was in office, the Democratic Party has stood for, we will help you. We will get you through this. Right. The Republican Party is the party of, quote, self-reliance. We don't want a big colossus government. It's on you to succeed, but we'll give you the pathway to do it. But you have to work for it, and you have to be honest, and you have to be a good citizen. That's the Republican philosophy. So there are different philosophies here. But the Republican Party lacks leadership. Trump is not a Republican. So... That's the problem. You are getting a lot of poor people coming to the United States. Tens of millions of poor people are flooding into this country, many of whom are coming to New York City and the suburbs. Yeah. 
Most of them are good people, but they are all poor people. They need help. But in order to help them, you have to punish the taxpayer. Me. And I don't want to be punished. I'm not, a, right. I'm not a bad guy, but I don't care about these people. I'm sorry. Well, there has to be a balance, <laughs> but there's no balance. None. Zero. When you open a border and say to 10 million foreign nationals, come on in and do whatever you want to do, that's anarchy. Yet 40% of the American people still support Joe Biden. Not just Joe Biden, but I was at an event in the city. Let's make it real local, okay, real local. At uh, Anthony Scaramucci's restaurant. You mentioned Scaramucci. This goes back about a month ago. For a young lady who is a uh, assemblywoman in Queens, Jen Rajkumar. And I was there for her, and uh, the mayor showed up, Eric Adams. And there was a really nasty story that came out that day about the illegals, as I refer to them as, not migrants or asylum seekers, stop it. And uh, Eric Adams goes up on stage and makes it a point that the reason why New York is so great, not wasn't Bill O'Reilly, is so great is because this is who we are. We were built on this. This is what we do. We don't turn people who need help from other countries away. We bend that, over backwards. But that's a distortion of history because Mayor Adams doesn't understand the history. Well, explain it to him and our listeners. You're right. Explain it, please. Well, when my ancestors came over to New York in 1867, after they were thrown off their farm, in County Cabin, Ireland, the farm was seized by London because my ancestors couldn't pay the onerous taxes that the British put on the poor Irish farmers so they could seize their land, which they did. This was post-famine. Well, two 16-year-old boys got on a coffin ship in Galway. Their mother never saw them again and sailed across to Brooklyn. A coffin ship is... Uh, They called it that because so many people died on the voyage, and my ancestors' job, the reason they got passage on the boat, they didn't have any money, was they took the corpses and threw them in the ocean. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. When they got to Brooklyn. Not exactly the love boat, uh, Bill. (laughs) No, it wasn't the love boat. It wasn't exciting and new. I could sing that song. song. Maybe I'll do it on Thursday. I love that song. Um, Anyway, when I got to Brooklyn, they were signed up right away by the Democratic Party. As soon as they walked off the boat, they signed here, and they were Democrats. But they didn't get anything. There was no welfare. There was no public housing, no food stamps. What they got was, here's a shovel. You're going to dig a a skyscraper. You're going to get into a tunnel. You're going to do this, which they did. Hmm. Okay. They needed the labor in New York. And so they got the shovel, and they forged ahead. Now, it's Mayor Adams is going to give me money. That never happened before. This has never happened before. Well, he's going to argue that uh, him and the governor, can't stand her, Kathy Hochul, that the both of them are advocates of getting these people work, getting them jobs. Look. That's a noble goal, and it's not Adams and Hochul's fault that the Biden administration opened the border, but both of them were cheerleaders for that. 100%. So now they turn around and they go, oh, um, 
O'Reilly and Rosenberg, we're going to take your tax money and give it to people from Nicaragua. And I'm going, well, wait a minute. They're not supposed to be here. There's a way to get here. But they said, no, I'm just going to walk across the border. The system is so corrupt that it's eroding all of the traditions of America. Yep, and that's what's goodness. happening. That's yep. what we're seeing before our eyes. Yeah. And New York, California, and Illinois are the three worst. And maybe not in that order. Okay, so in the final 60 seconds to one minute, this is uh, two minutes, I should say. What a fascinating conversation, Bill. This is why you're the best. You really are. Uh, yesterday was President's Day. Nobody has a better grasp of history than you. So we've heard this already in my lifetime. If God is good to me, I'll be 57, Bill, in April. Jimmy Carter was far and away, far and away without question, the worst president in my lifetime. And there's no doubt in my mind that Joe Biden has gone way past him. The only question really for me is, where does Trump belong? You know, I put him there with Reagan, but Reagan had two terms. Trump only had one. And we know all of the short givings with Trump, but just... Getting the better, the real better historical perspective. Bill O'Reilly, where do Biden and Trump belong? And in your opinion, who is the greatest president of all time? Lincoln was the greatest president. He had the most to overcome, and what he did was an amazing thing. I'm finishing up my book, Confronting the Presidents, No Spin Assessments from Washington to Biden, out September 10th. Just finishing it now. So... I'm leading with this tonight on the No Spin News. You can access that on BillOReilly.com. It's my television broadcast because there's a survey out that says all kinds of crazy stuff about the presidents. Trump governed well for four years if your barometer is helping working Americans. If that is your litmus test for a successful president, Trump did that. And he kept the lid on foreign chaos. The problem is the January 6th stuff, the election stuff. That sullied the four years and obliterated it. And now the enemies of the Republican Party, enemies of conservatives, enemies of Donald Trump, use that, just that. To put him as the worst president, this, that, and the other thing. It's not fair. It's not right. He did make a mistake about the election stuff, and we've gone over this. He made a mistake, and that's being used to obliterate the good things that he did. Biden's a, a disaster on every front. Every front. Worst. He's a disaster. Worst ever, right? Second worst. Who's worst? James Buchanan, the president before Lincoln, allowed the South to defy the federal government, to arm itself, did nothing for four years. So when Lincoln came in, the Civil War was a fait accompli, and the Civil War is the worst thing that's ever happened mm, to this country. I like that. Uh, for me, one more overrated, and I wasn't alive. He was assassinated in 63. I was born in 67. But looking back at some of the things that he did and went to bed with, literally and figuratively, I got to think Kennedy, good looks, Disaster what happened to him, a bit overrated, but uh, for you, most overrated and most underrated president ever. Well, Kennedy gets an incomplete, obviously. We don't know 
um, whether he's going to pull out of Vietnam. There's a whole bunch of things there that, that we didn't know. He did raise the morale of the country. Overrated president. Uh, you know, I would have to say Thomas Jefferson. He was a nasty guy, Thomas Jefferson. Ooh, was he nasty. Underrated president is a guy you probably don't even know, James K. Polk. I've heard of him, obviously. Why was he underrated? Well, Polk is responsible for all of the land um, from Texas on up to Washington State. He kicked the Mexicans' butt and took all the land. Wow. <laughs> and we wouldn't even have that land if not for Polk. And Polk had that vision. He said, you know, you Mexicans going to mess with us, and they did. Mexican, Mexico, um, they baited the United States, and Polk said, okay, here we come. We're going to wow. take all of your North American holdings, California. I'd give California back to Mexico if it were me now. <laughs> they, they go back. But Polk, he was one-term president, okay, terrible health problems when he was in office. But his vision was an America from Atlantic to Pacific, from Rio Grande to Canada. And he fulfilled that. I can't wait to read this book. I swear to God, September 10th. And what is it? You'll learn more about your country in this book than you have your entire life. I believe it. What's the name of the book again? The book is called Confronting the President's No Spin Assessments from Washington to Biden. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Listen, uh, you're the best. I enjoyed this immensely today. I always do. We'll do it again Thursday morning coming up at 840. I love you, Bill O'Reilly. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Sid. That was awesome. Bill O'Reilly, that was great. I can't wait to read that book. I mean that.